0: All right, welcome back to the Pickswap podcast. This is episode 10. I am James Bray. I'm here with Sean Bernard. What's up, Sean?
1: Not much. Doing good. Ready for playoffs.
0: Yeah, me too, man. Um, It's been, it feels like it's like a weird time because obviously, you know, we had the eight regular season bubble games, but like the regular season of this season is so far gone. It's like, it doesn't even feel like the right time, but it is, and we play – the 76ers play the Celtics, of course. Like, why wouldn't they, you know? Yeah. Um, so, without Simmons, and I just got a notification without Glenn Robinson third for at least seven more days. Um, what do you see – what do you expect from Embiid coming into this series?
1: Yeah, uh, obviously it makes too much sense that they ended up matched up against the Celtics. But uh, Embiid needs to play, like, every bit the superstar that he is and really put out some dominant performances if they want to have a chance.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but I told you earlier, I think that what will be more telling for him as like a superstar, or you know, just what would mean more for the team at this point is his ability to pass out of the double teams. We're gonna see him get doubled down a lot because of the lack of a threat other like outside of Embiid offensively. Um, so you're going to, he's going to see a lot of double teams. I'm like, we can almost put a million dollars on that. You know what I mean? Like that's definitely going to happen. He's seen it a lot in the bubble already, but we've also seen him pass out of the post very well um, along with that. So I hope that he's able to not just only think about scoring, but also think about what's best for the team. And that would be being able to get the ball out of his hands in the right time, knowing when to go at the basket and also knowing when to kick out and look for a shooter.
1: Yeah, he's shown some real growth, especially in the bubble of passing on a double team and finding the open man. And Brad Stevens does a, a very good job of disguising the way he's doubled down, which we've seen this year. Ways in like cutters, cutting through, and following a man, then hopping off and picking up Embiid as well. So Embiid's going to have to impress in that regard. And if he can swing it and find guys who hit open shots, that's what the Sixers are going to need. And that's really going to be the difference.
0: Yeah, um, so I looked. I was looking at his game logs earlier. Um, and I mean, he played in three of the four games against the the Celtics. Um, I think, I mean, obviously his most impressive game was game two where he had 36 minutes, 38 points, 13 rebounds. But like I said, his, the big, the number that impressed me the most right there is six assists. So you're going to look at that number and say, okay, he doesn't average six assists, but if he could give you four to six on a nightly basis, that would be like Unbelievable for this team's success, and I think obviously without with the absence of Ben, you're going to tr- probably find that he all the attention's on him as it is a lot anyway. But without Ben cutting or, or Ben's ability to get offensive rebounds and things of that sort, it's going to be harder for him to to just you know sit in the post and back a guy down. He's not going to have enough time. So finding shooters is going to be like the most important thing. So that's where really the assists come in, and also in that same game he shot. 14 free throws and made 12 of 14 so that's going to be a huge part for him too. If he can get some of those bigs for the Celtics in in foul trouble early um in any of the games that would be huge because they already are thin with guys that are able to handle him. Um if you can even put it that way because I don't think they have a guy that can necessarily handle him. Um but the guys that are you know going to be put out there um if they if he can get them in foul trouble they're going to be in some some pretty big some pretty pretty big trouble for um from for Boston there.
1: Yeah, uh, between the three games that he did play against the Celtics, he averaged uh, 21.3 points overall, which is kind of scary to think, like, that won't be good enough in this series if the Sixers are going to win a couple games and hope to advance. Uh, As far as, like, matchups on him, uh, I think both Thais and uh, Robert Williams, we just need to drop him in the post, go to work. I also see in pick and roll, if they put Canner on him, that being way more effective, but, uh, again, I think it's going to be a whole lot of double team, a whole lot of switches, throwing different looks at him to just, like, get him off his game. But I don't see any matchup that NBA can't win in this, and that's like, the only real clear advantage that I really think we have. So I think that's got to be the, the get, what we go to.
0: Yeah, and the only problem with that is I think, obviously, um, Brad Stevens is looking at, at that clear advantage as well. But yeah. so is our coach, and so is our, our team and everything, and they understand what's what's – what the situation is coming in tomorrow night's game. Um, While I think there is a lot of pressure on Embiid, and I think that he's up for it, um, I think that Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris are two guys that I look at um, to step up here. I look at their games against um, the Celtics, and each time, so in game one, Richardson had 17, Tobias had 15, 15 rebounds, which is impressive. Game two, Richardson had 14, Tobias had twenty-three game three, uh, Richardson at twenty-nine points and Tobias had sixteen. I'm looking at them to try to combine between forty and forty-five points, the two of them. Mm-hmm. They both need to step up defensively as well. I think it's paramount. Obviously, with the basically the positionless basketball and like the four guard play that um Boston uses, it's gonna be tough for the Sixers to match up with them. But I also think that they're able to Like, Tobias is very efficient out of the post. So if Horford's not starting, which I don't think he should, um, this will be an extreme advantage for Tobias offensively. And he needs to put up 20 to 23 points per game, and I need to see Richardson Richardson up around 17 to 20 a game. Like, obviously, without Simmons, they're going to need to make up for that offense that's missing.
1: Yeah, Tobias has been extremely productive in the bubble, especially. So I'm confident in him. Uh, defensively, I think he gets more of a bad rap than he deserves. I th- obviously, he's not an elite defender by any means, but I don't think he's a liability in the way that it's portrayed. Uh, as far as Richardson goes, he just needs to find some consistency and really be like, be able to be counted on for some consistent scoring and being a threat on offense. Because, it again, it depends on the day for what Josh Richardson we're going to see and the way he performs that game. If he isn't performing at his best – there's not it's not a good sign for this team he's needs to be one of the, like the the key contributors otherwise i also have a lot of like nerves about how shake's going to play and like if he's ready for this role i can see steven scheming something up to throw something at him that he's not going to be ready for which worries me a little bit but again we just need to find these guys that play their do what they do to the best of their ability
0: yeah and i think that it kind of helps that joel is the, the pressure is on Joel and for it helps for two reasons. And I think, cause I think Joel wants this. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost think that this is almost the, like, I'm not saying that he doesn't want Ben in the lineup and he doesn't want Ben healthy. Cause obviously he wants the best chance to win, but this is a massive chance for him to prove I'm the best big man in the league. This is his chance to kind of really cement himself there. And that takes pressure away from everyone else. All the eyes in this series are going to be on Joel for the Sixers. And if, if they're able to pull it out, first of all, that's like a huge knock on the Celtics. Like they, they have nothing to lose in this series. You know what I mean? The Sixers are coming into this without their best player, second best player, an all-star, one of the best defenders in the league. They have a really tough look come Monday night. But with all the eyes on Joel, I think like guys like Richardson and, and Tobias Harris and, and Shake have the chance to kind of just ease into it. And, like, you know, the ball's going to go to Embiid first possession. You know, you could probably bet on that. Those, those are the type of things, you know, Embiid's going to need his touches, so they don't have to, you know, do anything out of the ordinary. They let Embiid do the extraordinary things, and they can kind of just play their game and supplement his game. But all they have to do is just play the way they know they can.
1: Yeah, I agree. I definitely think Embiid wants it on his shoulders, and I think he's every bit ready for the moment. Uh, but uh, and there's been so much talk about, obviously, the Simmons and Embiid not – Playing the same style and all that. And I do think, in a way, like the offense will flow better if we have Embiid and cycling more around the perimeter with that regard. But defensively is where the biggest, like the biggest hole that Simmons leaves. And we just don't match up in the, the same way that I would have hoped for. And especially with Simmons out, like that's the one on one matchups defensively is what my biggest concern for this series.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. What do you think? What do you think that the lineup should look like? because I've seen a bunch of different things like what, their starting lineup come tomorrow night what do you think that looks like
1: so as far as their starting five I think it's going to be Richardson, Shake, uh Tobias, Horford and Embiid. I think that that'll be the five as far as what they match up with against the Celtics I think it's a little more fluid and I'm not so sure about. I've seen a lot of talking about Horford guarding Tatum which I don't really feel great about that. Uh that's going to be the biggest problem. Like, obviously, if Simmons is here, that's the matchup that everybody's paying to see is Simmons and Tatum. We don't really have, like, a clear guy that step up. Like, I think Tobias may get a shot. I think there's going to be a whole lot of switching in that, and they're going to throw a bunch of different looks, which is definitely the right way to go. We shouldn't be too locked in on anybody. But, uh, again, there's no clear cut. I also, not for the whole game, obviously, but I would love to see moments where we slide Horford on Thice and uh, put Embiid on Tatum and just let the number ones go at each other, and I do think Embiid's capable yeah. of locking them up for like, especially going in like fourth quarter and key moments. I think that's the matchup that we should hope to see.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I I really want to see Burks in the starting lineup or Matisse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I think Horford. I I think it gives you, it brings you two advantages. Um, obviously with Horford coming off the bench, he creates a mismatch as well. Like, Embiid is obviously the best center that we have and one of the best in the league, if not the best. But they don't have anyone that's able to lock Horford up either. So I think never giving that team a break and having, you know, just one fresh center after another is a huge advantage for Philadelphia. They need to take the opportunity that's there and, like, just really capitalize on the advantage of our centers are, like, significantly better than theirs. mm mm-hmm. Also, with a defense mismatch for us, if we have Horford out there, he's like I've seen him. The idea of him probably guarding Gordon Hayward, um, but just guys he's going to struggle with just because of the size differential. I mean, also vice versa. You could talk about okay, Gordon Hayward is not going to be able to hold Horford in the post or whoever is going to be guarding him. But I just don't like that the way Boston plays in this spread out, you know, positionless basketball, it's going to be tough for them to keep up. So if you were to start like Alec Burks, that gives you spacing on offense, where Embiid has, you know, a better chance to work because Burks has been fantastic from outside the the three-point line um, since returning to the bubble. And then Matisse, obviously, if you start him, you're looking at, you know, a, a really good perimeter defender, a guy that might get exposed might get exploited as a, as a young defender. Um, but if he could stay out of foul trouble, he could be a guy, you know, you might push you might put him on Kemba or you might put him on Jason Tatum. And if it's, you try it out and it doesn't work, that's okay. And you can go from there, which I think might be, um, you know, the idea for all of this, if it doesn't work, you know, you keep, you got to just keep moving. But I, I like the idea of putting another guard in the lineup just to kind of match with them
1: yeah i agree i mean i personally i'm a big fan of burks coming off the bench just because he i like that like the scoring pop off the bench and that like impact that he makes right away just like that change of pace so i like sticking with that as far as matisse goes i think he's the biggest question mark in the the series for how much time he get i could very well see him playing 30 plus minutes and i could see him not getting any burn at all yeah one of those i think um matchup wise we could use him a ton if the uh Uh, the starters are struggling against Tatum or Kemba I think he's probably the first name on the list that Brown will hope to throw in and also like the impact he makes goes a whole lot beyond like just what he does like if he blocks one of the a corner three one that he has like no business being anywhere near yeah he's so often like that changes the whole kind of landscape of uh guys thinking about that the whole time and like watching where he is which can make a real impact in that and I do think he just clean cut one-on-one is probably the best uh defender on probably Tatum and uh Kemba so I th- could see him getting a shot with that and again like it's very up in the air I could uh, Brett Brown obviously isn't a fan of playing rookies and playing young guys in like these situations but I think like the if he was any more developed offensively I think he would be a lock for playing like significant minutes and being a real key member of this team but it's just like how much you want to wager that with uh what he can do on the defensive end
0: yeah, I totally agree. I, I I do like Burks off the bench, and that's why I mentioned Matisse. Cause, but again, kind of like how I mentioned earlier, he he's not going to be asked to do much. There's like, He'll be the fifth option offensively if he's in a starting lineup. He's not going to be asked to do much. And I also liked what I saw from him in the last few bubble games where he was getting a lot of run down late in games, and he caught and just pulled. And it looked like he was getting comfortable and getting in a rhythm. And I think that hopefully was you know a sign like hey let's get you in a rhythm let's get you comfortable with what you're doing and I I, w- I personally would like to see him out there and obviously I, we're all big Matisse Thibel fans and but it's not just because I think he's like you know a handsome kid that you know is funny and, and he, he's a nice guy I think he could really make an impact defensively and he's not going to give you like he's he's not going to give you Ben Simmons numbers he's not going to give you like really any numbers offensively. But if he knocks down a couple open threes, we've seen him have games. We look at the Sacramento Kings game where he had like 22 points. Games here and there where he was really, you know, the X factor in winning or losing those games. And he made a serious impact. So, I mean, you're going to look for external factors with this team because you don't have Ben and it causes a lot. And I also think that the Glenn Robinson third injury is like something that, people don't understand is probably going to cause some problems for the Sixers too. He was probably going to start like from what I had read, he might've gotten these looks without, without Simmons because he's a good perimeter defender and he would have been a good power forward to slide in rather than Horford.
1: Yeah. I wish he stayed healthier throughout this whole thing. Cause he looked very good early on in the bubble and just obviously a hip pointer is a pretty painful injury and tough to fight through. So he's been out the past couple games and it's going to be like interesting to see his fit given that he hasn't played with this lineup and played with the team that much since coming back uh, as far as to circle back to Matisse real quick. The biggest growth that I've seen from him and that I've been impressed with, especially lately is his like off the ball movement and back cuts and giving goes, especially with Kylo Quinn, which does like help when we think about how much they're going to be doubling Embiid if he can find a way to like yeah. create that movement. So that also plays into his hand. Uh Yeah. Robinson, I again i wish that he had more time with the team and i do think he could be like on paper he's exactly what they're looking for to fill in but it's just like who knows if we're going to be able to see him for how long in the series
0: yeah i'm i'm totally with you there and i what like that's a good point about matisse and his his ability to find the open space and know when and when not to cut and i think that's almost like a something that people don't realize. And he also, him and Tobias play well off each other and with Embiid's ability to pass out of the post, I think, I personally, I think that's the way to go. Um, But, I mean, I hope he just finds minutes and I think he played himself into a role and I think he deserves it because he's been very solid, especially in the restart. Um,
1: Another guy that I think has played himself into minutes is Mike Scott and I think he will see a role in this too. And especially if we – the Celtics obviously play, like, a primarily small ball rotation with their them not having, like, a, a real legitimate center in that. So I think Scott could find minutes there if we give Embiid some rest. And, like, that's an interesting look that I think the Sixers could go with just to have, like, a, a counter to that. And, again, a lot of this is going to be on Brown to make adjustments on the fly, which I don't know how great I feel about that with <laughs> yeah. Scott Stevens. But uh, a lot of it – like, if we play Scott at center – uh, put Matisse in there, I don't know, like a go, go with kind of a small ball rotation to match what the Celtics are doing. It could be a look that they try and explore. Yeah,
0: I could see that. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, there's something to be said about a team that has nothing to lose, you know? Yeah. With this current situation, the Sixers, you know, they had a lot of expectations coming into the season, a lot of negative implications coming out of this until quarantine and then obviously a lot of hype coming into the bubble and then a really big blow with Ben going out so it's been a roller coaster for this team and it almost looked like like over the last couple bubble games it was like you know what screw it like here we are we're in this position we're gonna have to do what we can it it didn't even seem like there was negative vibes or like you know just bad things circling around them it's kind of like it, it almost felt like they put like headphones on and you know they they tuned everything else out and they're ready to go and like maybe that's just me making it up in my head and that's totally possible because i'm trying to get into that like mindset as well but i i think that they might make some noise here i I don't know that they'll necessarily win this series but i wouldn't be surprised if it goes six or seven games like i I don't think that this is a walk-around series for the celtics
1: yeah i agree i don't think as much as like we Don't love the matchups for the Sixers. I think the Celtics kind of feel a similar way. Like, they obviously have no uh, desire to go up against Embiid. Uh, The team is very long. I saw a stat today. uh, For the uh, Sixers three-point – I mean, for the Celtics three-point percentage, when they have a guy between two and four feet, they shoot – I'm trying to find it. Uh, But they shoot astronomically better. I I believe it was 38% against, like, in general versus uh, 19% against the Sixers. So the length is very much like an impact on that. And we have that in our lineup with shake, obviously Matisse too. So I think that's an impact too. And it's like, like, I, again, I don't think the Celtics are jumping for joy that they have to play us either.
0: No, and I don't think they ever have like, like we, we took care of them this regular season, obviously with, with Ben, and he had a couple of good games, but he also had a bad game that we want. Um, he only, he had the second gaming as the Celtics this year. He only had seven points in 36 minutes i mean he was seven eight and six which is like such a ben simmons stat line but like it's that's not popping off the stat sheet you know like i'm not saying that they're anywhere near as good as they are with ben because ben makes his team so much better but it's given an opportunity to a guy like alec burks who's been great in the bubble and you know like I said, there's something to be said about a team that has nothing to lose. And, and I'm excited. Like I, a week ago I was like, so disappointed and kind of just like in the mud about all this, but now I'm like kind of feeling it. I'm like, they might make some noise, make, you know, run them out of the gym. I, I don't know. I, I hope that it's at least a good series. Um, and I hope it, I'm, I'm expecting to see a good series from Embiid and, and make it really tough on them.
1: Yeah, I think uh, obviously the Stevens is like tremendous at creating a game plan for Simmons. We saw with like the one-point performance, uh, what was it, one or two years ago with Simmons? Yeah. And uh, so I think like offensively, there is is still some benefit to Simmons not being there when we think it's like a cleaner rotation with Simmons and surrounding him on the perimeter and however you want to put it. But just like that gap defensively that's left with matching up that Simmons is so big that it does hurt. But uh, when you talk about nothing to lose at the same time, like – um, it does worry me that this is kind of a a, a bailout for Brett Brown that like now yep. he's hurt and obviously that's not his fault, but this is very much like a put up or shut up series for Brown. Like if he wants to be considered to, to like continue leading this team, like he has to prove he can make the adjustments to win like playoff games and win close games and like make adjustments on the fly that like result in that.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I think I said this last pod, but like. I was not a fire Brown guy a year ago. Like even after the Kawhi shot, even after that series, I was like, initially I was like, I hate this team. I hate everything, blah, blah, blah. That's because I was just mad. And then I was like, you know, I don't think there's a better replacement, but there's guys out there that, you know, are at least just as good. But with the change of scenery, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still up in the air about it. I think Brett is a good coach. I just don't know that Brett is a great coach, and it takes a great coach to win the NBA Finals. And there's options out there like Tyron Lue. He's he has championship experience. Um, Kenny Atkinson is a good coach. Um, Stan Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy. Like there's there's options out there. Said against uh,
1: the yeah. current coach. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm a big Kenny Atkinson guy. Big fan of that. So that would be my ideal what they look toward in this offseason. But, again, a lot of it depends on this series.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they win this series without Ben, I bet you he's a lock to be here again next year, which I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I agree, but, again, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Do you want to take a quick break, and we'll hear from a sponsor, and we'll be right back what's up guys welcome back um we're gonna talk quick who we think is going to be guard who the primary defenders on kemba walker and jason tatum are going to be um we're gonna do our final predictions for this series before we see any games played because i'm sure those predictions might change after tomorrow night and then we'll do a quick pick four so um with kemba i think it's probably going to be richardson to start at least Mm -hmm. um I think I mean I think it's a good matchup. Richardson is a good defender and he's gritty. And I think if you look him in the eye, like, and say, "Listen, we need you here. Whether you're putting up offensive numbers or not, we need you defensively." I think he's, you know, kind of a lock to give you at least everything that he has defensively. Um, so I like I like that idea of him on Kemba. And then I, I think we'll see Tobias covering Jason Tatum at least to start. I, I think everything, a lot of things will change even throughout the first quarter of the first game, I think a lot of things will change, but I think Tobias will probably see his fair share of minutes uh, matching up against Tatum.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I also agree that Richardson will be primarily on ta- or, uh, Kemba. I mean, uh, Richardson has done better against, like, the, the smaller quick guys than he is against, like, a, a bigger kind of more physical demanding yeah. matchup. So that's what Kemba brings to the table. Obviously, he's ridiculously quick. His step back's unreal. So he's going to be a, a tough matchup no matter what, but I do have faith in Richardson. As a whole, the team needs to kind of gut one out and put their body on yeah. and play the best defense they can. Uh, as far as Tatum goes, I don't know. I'm very up in the air. I think Horford is going to get a shot at him. I think Tobias is going to get a shot at him. I, I think Tobias is probably going to primarily guard him. And obviously Matisse, I think, will get his, uh, his blows yeah. on him as well. Tatum doesn't have kind of that, like, when we talk about Kemba, it's that quick step, the drive into the basket. Tatum doesn't have that necessarily. Like, he likes to dance a lot with the ball, do his thing. And I would much rather him stay out on the perimeter, take his step-back threes and all that stuff that he throws up. And he is, like, a great shooter with that. And you have to relax with that. Relax. (laughs) But, again, I would much rather him be chucking him up from out there than getting to the rim. So, I think Horford might be a a good matchup with that, too. Because Al does do a good job with just, like, moving his hips and, keeping him on the perimeter at least. He's very
0: fundamentally strong. Yeah. Um, I, I, I also wanted to mention that earlier with Embiid's just his presence in the paint. I think we're probably going to see them defer outside of the paint and, and take, you know, settle for a lot of jump shots. And that's the way the Sixers will beat them is if they're settling for, you know, late shot clock jumpers. And, and like, I don't know, I would be disrespectful if I was a coach and say, listen, make Gordon Hayward beat you. Cause I don't think Gordon Hayward's going to beat us. Um, so if shake, say shakes on, on Gordon Hayward, I would just say, Hey, listen, if you're on Horford's right side and Tatum goes to that side, just 75% commit and and help to that drive and, you know, make someone else beat you. And I like, that's, that's all I want to see. I don't want to see Kemba and Jason Tatum be putting up like 60 combined points in four straight games and get us blown out. Like I'd rather see Gordon Hayward have to put up those numbers.
1: Yeah, as far as the the paint, uh, and with all due respect to Daniel Thais, he's not nearly anywhere close to the type of player that Joel Embiid is. So I think in like like he's not going to be getting offensive boards. He's not going to be doing any of that. So I and I, to be honest, I do like the way he plays a lot. I like how he hustles and everything. But I think the Celtics are gonna like very much kind of sacrifice him on the offensive end. Maybe have him drip to the perimeter to take Embiid out of the paint, and that's the way I think they're gonna try and open it up. But again, like if Daniel Theis wants to chuck up threes and try and beat us for there, I will live by that 100%. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, yeah, if he's out there and he's trying to take Embiid out, I would just, you know, Embiid have one foot on the block. And if yeah. he if they pass it out to him, take a step and box out and go for the rebound. Because if he, like, he's going to have to make a lot of those shots for to make up for, you know, the defensive presence that Embiid brings in the paint. So I'm not... I'm not terribly concerned about Daniel Tyson, and his long-range ability. Yeah.
1: yeah I,
0: um, I mean, what do you – seriously, like genuinely, what do you think this series is going to do? How many games? Who wins?
1: Obviously, in my heart, I want the Sixers and rooting that. My head bet is Celtics and six right now.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's my – that's what my head's telling me, but I'm I am gonna go with my heart. I'm gonna say Sixers and seven, seven game series. Embiid scores forty six, twelve, and four in the seventh game, and somehow the seventy sixers beat <laughs> the Celtics in this first round matchup. Which, I mean, I don't think I'd be. That would feel like the championship to me. Like that would feel like the finals if they're able to get out of this.
1: Yeah, I think there's gonna be. So I give it. Celtics in six, two sixer wins. I think there's one game where Embiid plays absolutely out of his mind. close yeah. to 50 points, 20 boards, something ridiculous like that to carry us yeah. to win. And I also think there's a game where Alec Burks makes a statement and comes in, lights it up, and that's enough to push it over the edge as well, along with Tobias and everybody else playing well. But uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be tough. Obviously, the Simmons injury is rough, but like Embiid needs to be every bit of the superstar that he can be, and I think he's ready for that moment. So, I don't know. I'm not fully counting them out, but I don't feel awesome about it either.
0: Yeah, me either. I'm And you, know, like I said, if I'm being like, you know, everything's out on the table and I'm being honest, the likelihood the Celtics should win this series. They should. But that's almost why I think that they won't. Yeah. You know, the Sixers so look at this series and say, hey, we're not supposed to win. It looks like the Eagles in 2017 to me. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed. To, oh, Carson Wentz is out. We're not supposed to win. Oh, Ben Simmons is out. We're not supposed to win. You know, it's that it's that little bit of underdog, nothing else matters mentality to me that might carry them over the edge in this series. But I also could be wrong and they might get swept. So
1: yeah, there, there I is,
0: hope I hope there, that's not the case.
1: There is something to say. Like we we see it with like the Lakers Trailblazers kind of matchup too. Like the the yeah. bigger seed not wanting to play like the the team that again has less to lose has like just going to lay it all on the line like uh the Celtics don't want any business playing the Sixers we're long we're tough to match up we got shooters now we like there is a clean fit Embiid's a legit superstar so like there is a lot to say about the Celtics not wanting to mess with that as well so it's going to be an interesting matchup with like the teams are built very different and like I don't know we'll see what happens nobody really knows but I'm I don't know
0: yeah me either no one nobody knows and it'll be they'll put their money where out, their mouth is tomorrow night um so we can be done talking about basketball quickly and we can go right into our quick pick four so go ahead sean
1: all right so quick pick four for this we're gonna i'm I'm calling middle school lunch snacks so like that uh whatever you know would bring the the real trade value to the table at the lunch table when you <laughs>
0: <up>. <laughs> yeah um so mine this is something that i loved but like you ever had the vanilla oreos okay yeah do i know some people hate them and some people love them but i loved them and those are like my favorite thing my mom would pack me in middle school
1: okay i'm i'm a i'm a big oreo guy in general i'm still rocking with the the chocolate over vanilla but i'm not an anti-vanilla guy by any means i respect that uh my number one i'm going with is gushers i gushers are
0: fire so good
1: they're still so good too.
0: Yeah. I, I love those. Like if I see a pack of them in the pantry, I'm hounding those. Like they're not lasting more than a, a day.
1: Yeah. Those were um, always so rare to get my hands on too. Like they were never, yeah. I I was just around. So it was always like yeah. special occasion.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. So this is another controversial one. My mom used to always buy whales not goldfish, not cheese. It's whales. That was the snack that was always in my house. And people would always come over to my house. Like if I had friends over and they always wanted the whales cause like no one else bought them. I, it was all, like, I, I'm pretty sure my mom kept them in business from like 2012 to 2015. And so that's my number two, because I always had them at lunch and people were like, yo, cause they're, you know, they're always used to cheese. It's and stuff, but whales were the, the way to go.
1: They were like the, the healthier kind, right?
0: I don't. I, I. doubt that they're healthier. Right,
1: wait. I'm thinking. I, what was it? Was like a rabbit or something that was like the healthier.
0: Oh thing. yeah, Annie's whatever. I mean,
1: yeah, I think that's. What yeah,
0: I mean. not those. Not those. The whales are just as bad as anything else, but they're so good.
1: <laughs> gotcha. My number two. I'm going with. Uh, do you remember Dunkaroos?
0: Yes, Dunkaroos okay. fire.
1: Yeah, absolutely awesome. Just like all like all the like the snacks with the little like dipping compartment and the yeah. like, cracker or whatever. I'm all about and Dunkaroos were awesome.
0: Yeah, I can totally agree with that. Um, I, this one, I I was so hesitant to try these when, like, they first were introduced to me. But the chewy Chips Ahoy cookies, I've okay. ever had those? Oh, yeah. So good. So good. I could just eat a whole sleeve of them without even thinking twice about it.
1: Oh, yeah. Chips Ahoy are banging. Uh, this one's a little, little out there, but I'm going to go with a juicy drop pop you ever have those wow really yeah I'm, i was a huge fan of that With just like the, <laughs> the i
0: office. never liked those things never liked those things
1: <laughs> i was a huge sour guy growing up so that always like
0: you seem me. like a sour guy
1: yeah a little bit i don't
0: i don't, I don't know guy. why
1: <laughs> i was a big warhead at lunch guy too those were always a wow big did you guys do that
0: i never did that, that i would a, have them at like halloween or something but like never after that
1: there would always be like some kid breaking out like a big pack of warheads and it would be like food, food all in and just like
0: that's hilarious
1: just take the pain together yeah
0: <laughs> you're like part of it it's like an, you know
1: yeah
0: it's like a band of brotherhood then <laughs> yeah, you're all it's right. like you're all one after that um i love fruit snacks man so but my favorite kind is the motts motts fruit snacks you have to have them so that was my go-to always it was like You know, whenever I, the, the lunch I had packed, you know, the sandwich, the main snacks or whatever, like whales, Cheez-Its, you know, goldfish, whatever it was. And I had like a fruit, so like an apple or a peach or something. And then I had to have the fruit snacks always.
1: Gotcha. I was also a big Scooby-Doo fruit snack guy.
0: I was going to mention those too. I loved those.
1: Yeah. The little blue Scooby. The blue ones. Yep. Undefeated. Uh, Absolutely. And then, um, uh, my last pick, I'm going with grips. Do you remember grips?
0: Dude, I have some right now. Really? I have some upstairs, yes,
1: I haven't seen them in years, but like the both the cookie one and the just like the the normal cheese it one or cheese it, it
0: ones, one. yeah, I'm both gonna cookies. eat those after this
1: <laughs> yeah, but i I was a big grips guy too, yeah,
0: also, I'm sorry, honorable mention, any tasty cake oh, yeah yeah, right. I always had those on deck, but those were always the best
1: Well, what's your top tasty cake
0: oh. Yeah, I, you got to go with the cupcakes, like the, the chocolate cream-filled cupcakes. I like the white icing with the black stripe with you the know, white icing in the middle. I think those are my favorite.
1: Gotcha. I, I'm probably rocking with the candy cakes as, like, my go-to. Those but are, all, yep. Uh, all-time underrated Tasty Cake is the
0: Chocolate Junior. They're awesome. Chocolate Juniors are so good.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page here. I also like Butterscotch Crimpets. I can get on board with those. Yeah,
1: also very good. Uh one honorable mention I'll throw into is a, a fruit roll up also it was a big Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah. I can get on board with that. I can't believe you ate warheads like a maniac. Yeah, that was a
1: big thing. <laughs> that was probably You're insane. Like, more I would say more, multiple times a week. That was people. <laughs> <warheads>. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: never happened. Never <laughs> happened for me. That's funny. Um we can wrap it up here though. Um obviously big game tomorrow night for the seventy sixers. Do you wanna we can talk about this later, but we might do like a, either like a watch is Liam doing a watch along
1: uh I'm not hundred percent sure right now he may be there was one for the Rockets game the other day, so I'm not sure but
0: okay well if he does we'll we'll get on that if not, we can do something afterwards. I think we might sh- maybe try to live stream afterwards or something, but stay tuned. you know if you're following the twitter stay tuned we'll we'll update you guys um so go sixers, trust the process sixers and seven. And we'll hear from you guys soon.